Well, good morning, Restoration Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. How many got their Thanksgiving on this weekend? It was so good, wasn't it? We are in our last week of sinkholes, and um, I'm just really uh, blessed. Um, the last few weeks have been just tremendous and amazing. Uh, Pastor Nate and Pastor Andrew really brought um, God's word to the forefront, and um, they were talking about stop changing or stop trying to change the external without changing the internal and taking care of the sin that's in our lives. Behaviors destroy our relationships. And then also, you know, uh, our identity is not in others or what others say about us. It's in the God that created us. And he's the one that gives us uh, value in life. And, um, and we want to uh, finish it out strong this morning. And so we're talking about working through the current and yet the potential sinkholes in the future. And so I want to kind of give you a few things this morning. But before we do, I was reminded of two teenage boys, Jimmy and Dave. And one day they found a sinkhole on the path that seemed to appear out of nowhere while they were walking to Mr. Earl's Pond where they fished for sun perch, and they were just excited. And being typical boys, their first instinct was to look into the hole, right? Every little boy was like, yeah. I like, and they looked into the hole, and just to see what was really going on in there, they finally realized that it wasn't much. And so the level of fun dropped dramatically. So after a long period of hollering into the hole, the two boys finally turned their attention to checking the depth of that hole and seeing what they can do. And they thought of this great scientific process that they were going to put into existence. They were going to drop rocks into the hole. Wow. And so... They wanted to count the seconds until they heard the rocks hit the bottom, but there was only one problem. The hole was so deep that they couldn't hear the rocks hit the bottom. Their fun now turned into work, and they dropped huge boulders and tree stumps and whatever else they could find into the sinkhole, still with no success of hearing a sound from their efforts. Now, they were very desperate at this point, and they wanted to find the bottom of the hole. And as they looked for larger items to push into the sinkhole, Jimmy finally came up with a great plan. He saw in the midst of the undergrowth, the brush, a, a railroad tie that they said, wow, we can get this thing into the sinkhole. So the two of those summer tan boys, with all of their might, dragged and pushed the railroad tie over the edge, into the darkness of a sinkhole. And as they waited for the sure sound of a crash to the bottom, they were amazed at what appeared where the railroad tie was. A white goat running from the undergrowth ran right into the sinkhole and down into the sinkhole. In total shock, Jimmy and Dave looked at themselves, moved slowly to look over the edge of the hole, wondering what happened to that crazy goat. All they saw and heard was absolutely nothing. 
Well, behind them, Mr. Earl was coming up the path, and he approached the shocked boys, and he asked them, hey, have you guys seen a goat around here? Well, funny you should ask, said Dave, with his eyes as wide as saucers. We have just seen a goat, and it did the strangest thing. Well, Dave jumped up and said, you know what? I think it went that way. Jimmy said, well, yeah, it went into the hole. A goat just ran out of those woods, ran straight across and down into the hole. Seeming a little bit confused, Mr. Earl smiled at the boys and said, well, that must not have been my goat. You see, my goat was tied with a long rope to the railroad tie that was over in the bushes. The boys responded in unison, oops, I think that was your goat. Sinkholes are dangerous. Sinkholes sometimes collapse around us and pull us into a mess or a situation that we find ourselves not really wanting to be in. Just like the goat, he had no control over where he was going and where he was going to end up. And how many feel the same way? Sometimes we find ourselves in a sinkhole and we go, wow, I've took all the preventative measures. I did all the things that we needed to do. And yet, I'm finding myself at this place. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. It's a story about a wife who just lost her husband and finds herself in a sinkhole situation. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 says, And the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into the jars, and as each is filled, put it one aside. She left him and shut the door behind her and their sons, brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. God, we thank you that you have a message for our hearts this morning. That, Lord God, as we break the bread of life, Lord God, would you reveal, would you speak to us, Lord God? I thank you that, Lord God, you are a God of intimacy, that, God, you know your creation, that you know us on an individual basis, and, Lord God, you want to speak to us. And so, Lord God, we ask you that you would open our hearts and our minds. Let us be attentive to your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said here, amen, amen. 
So in order to understand the, the, the background, we need to understand the characters, the widow and Elisha. The widow, this woman, was in her sinkhole situation. And it is currently applicable for us this morning. The woman was backed up in a financial situation. She was against the wall. She was at a place where if she didn't pay a debt, her sons would have been sold into slavery. Now, I don't know about you, but if you know any mamas, they would do whatever it takes to guard, protect, and keep safe their children. I had a redheaded mom, and you don't cross her, and if you ever touched her children, she would take you out, bottom line. And that's how moms come to the situation of their children. They love them so much that they're going to do whatever it takes in order to rectify the situation. Now, her husband's creditor was coming to collect. And oftentimes, the woman in the household was not privy to the finances of the day in their household. They were pretty much left out in the dark. And oftentimes, the boys would be old enough to work off the debt, but these were young boys. These were little kids, and the creditor threatened them to sell them into slavery in order to pay that debt. So this widow stands to lose it all. And so she goes to the man of God, Elisha. And who is this man of God? He was the successor to Elijah. Elisha took over Elijah's ministry, and he was a persistent, tenacious, and yet determined person. He wanted to get the job done. He was a man of action. And I re recall a small little story about Elijah was taking a walk when some boys were making fun of him. They called him Baldy. I'm in good standing with him this morning. I feel like he's my brother. And so he called down the curse upon the boys in which two bears came out of the woods, mauled the boys, all 42 of them. And what did Elijah do? Just kept on walking and smiling. He was a man that can get it done. And he had the ear of God. Elijah, even though he was hot-headed, he knew how to take care of God's business. Now, there are limited controls in our life. God sends a miracle, and we hope and pray that God would, would burn the mainframe of our credit card companies, that somewhere down the line, they would get it all mixed up and not really know what's going on, and we would no longer have to pay the bill. Sometimes we ask God, God, would you, you know, perform a miracle so that the numbers at the IRS in March, Lord God, would be all mixed up and there would be a huge return that I would gain from? Sometimes we think, boy, if you just, God, you would just perform a miracle by fixing the stock market, man, stocks would rise and I would make a small little fortune. But how many know that those things are not necessarily in our benefit? So what do you do with what you have inside your house? Or better yet, I've entitled this morning's message, Think Inside Your Sinkhole. Think inside your sinkhole. Most of us have heard the old expression, think outside the box. Well, God wants us to think inside 
the sinkhole because oftentimes we find ourselves in that mess. We find ourselves in the sinkhole. Like I said earlier, we, we, we make and, and, and do all the preventative measures that, that are needed, but oftentimes there are things outside of our control that drag us into the sinkhole like the goat, and we find ourselves in this place wondering how we got there. And so there are three things in the midst of our current sinkhole situation that we can control. And I want to give those to you because it's going to help us to prevent or even deal with future sinkholes or even the current sinkhole that you're currently in. You can control, number one, your perspective. Look at verse 2. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what do you have? I love that. Elijah's request was, what do you have? God will always ask the question, what can you bring to the table? What can you contribute? What resources do you have, your time, your talent, your treasure, that you can participate with? Someone said the most insignificant resource can become the greatest means of impact in God's outreach arsenal. The very thing that we think is insignificant is the very thing that he uses to make a big impact, not only in our life, but in the lives around us. The small thing that God, God, you can never use that. It is the very thing he uses. How many of us have thought, man, God can't use me in ministry. I'm so insignificant. I'm so you know, small, I'm, don't, I can't make a big, huge impact like, you know, the, the, the disciples did or, or like so-and-so in the church. Boy, they, they seem like they have everything coined and they know how to do it. I'm just, God will use you because you're open and you're faithful to what he wants you to do. And listen to the response of the widow. The widow responds, your servant has nothing. Nothing, And God was showing the widow that her perspective was off. You see, God will use our perceived nothingness to bring about powerful somethingness. I want to say that again because I want you to understand that God will use our perceived nothingness to bring about a powerful somethingness. That very thing. God wants to use in order to flip our perspective around. You see, it only takes $34,000 a year after taxes to be among the richest 1% in all the world perspective. In the grand scheme of things, even the poorest 5% of Americans are better off financially than two-thirds of the entire world perspective. 80% of the world's population lives on $10 a day. Perspective. So the question at hand is, so where do all these lucky rich people live? Well, according to the stats of 2012, about half of them, 29 million, live in the United States alone. That's you and me. And so what does that mean for us, that you're in the top 1.5% of the richest people in the world by income? What does that mean? That makes you 73,638,782 richest person 
on the earth by income. It's all about perspective. God, what do you want from me that I can contribute? Tell me, what do you have in your sinkhole that God can use this morning? Not only can you control your perspective, but also you can control your plan. You see, in verse 3, Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for, for empty jars. He didn't say, ask your neighbor for some oil. Elijah didn't instruct the widow to ask for as much oil as you can possibly get. He knew God would increase her faith by allowing her to see the plan in action. Go get the jars. Don't just get a few, but get many jars. Because watch what I'm going to do. Watch what I can do in you and through you with the little things that you have. You see, God majors in filling the empty jars of our lives. You see, what we need sometimes is to take all the empty that you have and then borrow some more emptiness because he's about to do something great. The oil quit flowing when there was no more empty to fill. Sometimes we need to empty ourselves in our hearts and in our lives and pour it all out and say, God, fill me. Fill me, fill me, create in me. What is your plan? What do you want for this sinkhole? How do you want me to maneuver out of this and allow you to be the ultimate victor in all this? Because the glory and the honor is yours in advance. Maybe he's asking you to create a budget. Maybe he's asking you to create a plan to build a relationship with somebody that you know that you've been bucking heads with and you need to have that relationship mended. Maybe it's to step out in faith and put uh, scripture verses all throughout the house because you have a difficulty of knowing who you are in Christ. You see, you are a royal priesthood. You are a kid of the king. You are his family, and you are chosen by him. I love that God does not create mistakes. He created you and me. I love what Dave Ramsey said. This is not a game. He says, debt has become a part of who we are. It's become the spoiled child in the grocery store with their lips stuck out. I want, I want, I want it. I deserve it because I breathe air. And well, that's an uphill climb in our culture right now, he says. To go against that and to say, hey, let's be grown-ups here. Let's be mature. Learn to delay pleasure, save up, and pay for things. He's saying stepping out. There is a plan. Proverbs 19, 18 says, uh, where there is no vision or a plan, people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. So as we put a plan forth. God, will you use this? How can you do this? God, I, it's not my plan. It's your plan. God, give me the right perspective. Give me the right plan. And God, I want to honor you in all of this. Whatever my sinkhole is, at this moment, this was her sinkhole. The financial uh, credit uh, creditor was coming to collect. This was her sinkhole. It may not be a financial problem. It may not be a financial sinkhole for us. But what is 
God speaking to you about the plan. Have a plan. You can control your perspective. You can control your plan. But thirdly, you can also control your priorities. Look at verse 7 for a moment. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your son can live on what is left. Now, most people would say, oh, I got all this extra money. I'll pay him off, and then I can do whatever I want. And, and the priority was is to get her children back into her loving arms. The widow's son, sons were on the line, and she wanted to preserve the family unity. And so her bill would need to be put into order. The widow would have to pay the debts first and then live off the rest of the dividends. You see, when I was young, I was eight years old when my mom first um, taught me how to tithe. And the interesting thing is that, I, you know, as I was growing up, I'd always give a quarter and put it into the, into the Sunday school uh, cup, and, and I was so excited as a little kid that I gave something, but she gave it to me, and it wasn't really earned. And one day when I was eight years old, I learned how to mow the lawn, and my mom gave me $10, and she sat me on the couch. She said, let's talk. This is how you serve the Lord. One dollar, 10% goes to the Lord and his kingdom. One dollar goes to your savings, 10%. And the 80% you live off of the rest. Don't buy candy. No. She said, this is the formula of how you live your life. And she said, God wants to increase your capacity, Dan. And from there on out, I've never forgotten that. Have I missed here and there? Have I gone back and paid a yes? We're all human. But the point is, is that we move forward and we say, God, what do you want? You are my priority. God, you are the giver and the taker. You do all things for me. Even though I don't recognize it, you are my everything. Someone said it this way, you can't make God move but you can make room for him to move in your life. What is he speaking to you this morning? What are the things that you need to move? What are the things that you need to refocus and get the right spiritual perspective of what God wants for your life? To get out of that sinkhole, to move forward in him. What plan is he putting together right now as he's speaking to your heart? It might not be a financial sinkhole that you're at, but it might be a relational sinkhole. It might be an identity sinkhole. It might be something else that you are really having a struggle with in life, and you don't know how to get out of it. Maybe it's depression this morning. You fill in the blank between you and God. What is the plan? And then how do we prioritize that to make God number one? so that he can help us move forward in the things that we need to do in order to give him glory and the honor. With every head bowed and every eyes closed this morning, where are you at? 
Take a moment and say, God, what are you speaking to me? What do I have in my house, in my sinkhole, that I can contribute, that I can put forth? Lord God, I, even though I might think that it's so insignificant, that yeah, I, I, I'm not ever going to call them on the phone. You, you, God, you have no idea what we're going through in this relationship. But yet it just takes one phone call to flip a life upside down for him. God, I, I just can't bring myself to print all that stuff out to put all over my house. It just looks tacky. I just can't do that. And yet you need to take one step forward and say, I am everything to him. He values me and I am his. Maybe there's something in our hearts, in our lives that we've kept a secret for so long and yet God wants to reveal that to you, wants to maneuver that out of your life so that he can do whatever he wants in your life. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word this morning. Then Lord God, as you stir our hearts with the perspective and the plan and the prior priorities, Father, I ask you that you would bring that to light to us this morning. That, Lord, as we walk throughout this week, Lord God, that you would bring it to our attention. That, Lord, you would work on our hearts. That we would walk and move in you. That, Lord God, we would take the uh, preventative measures, Lord God, to um, not go through the sinkholes of life. But, Lord, we know that there are things in our life that's just going to suck us in. Things that are going to uh, pull us in. And, Lord, we don't understand why we're in this, at this juncture. We don't understand why we're in this sinkhole. But, Lord God, you have a purpose and a plan for it. So teach us. Help us to have trust and faith in you to do the miraculous, even in the midst of our sinkhole today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said this morning, amen, amen. God bless you.